God, we thank you for your presence here today. God, it is so good to come and to worship you, Lord, and you are always faithful and true to your word. You tell us that you would be enthroned on the praises of your people. And God, as we have praised and worshiped you today, God, your presence has been here, Lord, and you have been exalted. And we are so grateful for that, Lord, as we have expressed our adoration and worship and you have lavished your love upon us, God. It's just overwhelming sometimes, God, to think of how great and, and vast your love is for us. And, and God, we know you have a word to speak to our hearts right now. So I ask that you would give all of us ears to hear what your Ruach is saying and that this message would go into the, the deepest part of our hearts and would bring transformation and change, God, that we would be more like Yeshua as a result of this word today. Help us, we pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. As I said, we started the new series last week, Going Right and the Culture Going Wrong. Rabbi Michael spoke, uh, spoke on the need to build a godly home. And this, most, um, this morning's message is entitled Walking in Purity. And it goes so well with the Devar Torah and the whole Parsha from today, from Amora, actually. And it focuses on one verse from Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, which says, How blessed are the pure in heart. For they will see God. Think about that. How blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. When you go through this passage here in in, in Matthew Matthew 5, is uh, known as a lot of different things, uh, you know, uh, Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, but there's this list of things that Yeshua speaks about, saying, Blessed, Ashrei Ha'ish, blessed is the man, similar to uh, some of the Tehillim, the Psalms. And when you look at all of the, the blessings that come before this, you see that they are promises about inheriting either the kingdom, being comforted, etc., things that you personally receive. But this here says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Selah. How awesome to see God. In context, we know that this promise builds on the ones before it, because as we go through that list, and you can look in your scriptures and see it, it says those who have come to see their sinful state for what it is, they are those who are poor in spirit. Then they are the ones who have mourned over them, their, their sins, and it has brought them to humility when they recognize their own ability to do anything about it, which then causes them to hunger and thirst for God's righteousness and subsequently are filled as they receive the mercy of God, which we sang about this morning. And, and uh, it's one of my favorite uh, songs, a couple of songs we sing here about God's mercy. And this brought them to the point of being born anew, where they knew their sins were washed away and they were made pure. So as we look at this verse here today, I want us to consider three things. First of all, what exactly is the heart that Yeshua is referring to? It doesn't take much uh, to figure out. He's not talking about the thing pumping in our chest, is he? Right? It means a lot more than just that. Then we need to understand what purity is. What is Yeshua speaking about? Because if... The pure in heart enjoy a state of blessing and privilege, then I need to know what it means to be pure in heart, correct? And friends, look, listen to me. When we look around us, and my husband alluded to this in his message last week, there is a lot in this world that is not pure. And unfortunately, these things have crept into the lives 
of believers in Kehilot congregations across this country and around the world. Rabbi Michael again alluded to some of those in his message, and I'll talk about them a little bit today as well. But we need to understand that God has a standard of purity. And Myrna encouraged us in her Devar Torah about that. And that standard of purity is something we need to recognize, not just intellectually, but also in our, uh, in our hearts, as it's talking about here, so that we can walk in that purity and receive the benefit of being able to see God Almighty. And then we want to look at what that means to see God. We know the scriptures tell us that no one can see God physically and live. So we know it's not talking about that. So what is, uh, what does it mean? So let's look at these three things today. First of all, we're going to start with the heart. The Greek word here is the word uh, cardia, which uh, those in the medical field recognize. That's where we get our word cardiac from. And every culture has some internal organ which is considered the emotional, spiritual, and uh, mental center of a person. I can't remember which ancient culture it was, but uh, in one culture it was the liver. Well, go figure, right? So the liver was considered that center of, of your being. So in our culture, we speak the, of the heart as being that center. So we say, I love you with all of my heart. It would be a little strange for us to say, I love you with all of my liver. Right? But if that was the culture we lived in, it would be, be normal. And the point is, everyone has, every culture has something that is considered to be that center of man's being. So we say, I love you with all my heart. Or let's get to the heart of the matter. Right? When we say phrases like that, we're talking about getting to the core of a person's emotions and and their thoughts and the essence of who uh, they are. And that's exactly how God uses this word in the scriptures. It means the center of who we really are. Uh, It's that God is referring to here in our text. And in the Tanakh, we know the Hebrew word used is the word lev, Heart and often it's interchanged with the Hebrew word for mind, and and which gives us again this insight that God is talking about the center of our emotions, of our thoughts, of our spirit, of our mind. Think about it, when we read in the Tanakh in First uh, First Samuel, Shmuel Aleph. Samuel is uh, been commanded by Adonai to go into anointed king, and he comes to the house of of Eshai, of Jesse, and he sees uh, the firstborn, the, the oldest brother, and he looks at this, this uh, young man, and he says, certainly, this must be the king. But what does God say? Do not look at the appearance or his stature, because I have rejected him. Man does not see what the Lord sees, for man sees what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. So we can all come in here and look good on the outside. You're all looking pretty good today. Uh, but it's not this outward appearance, this exterior that God is looking at. He's looking at my heart and your heart. And it's that pure in heart that are going to be able to see God. Throughout the scriptures, we're encouraged about this. Second Chronicles 28.9, David is encouraging his son Slomo to serve Adonai with an undivided heart. So he says, serve him wholeheartedly. The phrase there in Hebrew means with undivided devotion, undivided heart. Serve him wholeheartedly, an undivided heart. And with desire in your being, for Adonai searches all hearts and understands all the inclinations of people's thoughts. 
And then the Vahafta, which we chanted today after the Shema, comes right after the Shema in Devarim, says that we are told to, to love God with what? With all of our heart, soul, being, and might. Again, all of who we are. So the heart, we can see, is the center of our being. And Yeshua says that those who are blessed, able to see God, are those who have this uh, purity of heart. But think about it. We have a problem because the scripture tells us that the heart is not always so pure, right? In fact, it says that it's pretty wicked, the human heart. Look with me in Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, and it says, The heart is more deceitful than anything else. Wow. That's a Selah moment. The heart is more deceitful than anything else. God, how can you expect me to be pure in heart if my heart is prone to being deceived? And incurable. Who can understand it? And verse 10 goes on to say, I, Adonai, examine the mind. I test the heart to give to each according to his way, according to what his actions deserve. So that is the natural state of the heart. But the good news is God tells us that our heart can be changed and be, can, can be transformed. And so that we can walk in that purity. And that happens as we come into an encounter with the living God of Israel and with the Messiah Yeshua. And we accept his work on our behalf as he hung on the tree of sacrifice. That is why we are encouraged in Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Yeshua is Lord and believe where? In your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So one believes with his heart, which results in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, which results in salvation. So even though our hearts are deceitfully wicked, when we come to Yeshua, he does a transformation of our hearts, and he changes those hearts so that we could walk in that purity. And when we walk in that purity, we are able to see. God Almighty. That's encouraging, yes? So let's look a little bit now about this idea of purity. There's a couple connotations behind this word here in in this passage of Scripture. And the first is is what we would think of is uh, the idea of cleanliness. Uh, It means to be genuine, to be free from things that would uh, adulterate something and make it impure, as in the purity of gold. Uh, Again, similar to the concept of holiness, which, uh, as I said, Myrna spoke about here in her Devar Torah. It goes so well with the message. So when we think of purity of heart, perhaps we think of someone whose motives are pure, someone who possesses uh, no no guile or malice, someone who might be good-natured and may even be somewhat naive, but Yeshua, there's a little bit more to what Yeshua is saying here in that passage than that concept here. He's speaking about the heart of someone who, first of all, sins have been forgiven. How? As we talked about from Romans 10, it was because we have come to Adonai, we have confessed, we have received and embraced Yeshua as our Messiah, and our heart has been made new, and our purity comes, listen to me, because some people struggle with this, and even those who have been believers for many, many years, your purity comes not from you. 
but your purity comes from him. That you are the righteousness of God through Messiah Yeshua. Your part is to come to him, to confess, and to receive him. And that makes you righteous and holy in God's sight. So he's talking about uh, the heart of someone whose sins have been forgiven and their heart has been made new. So here's an illustration to help us understand this one aspect of purity today. Think about a glass of white milk. Now, white milk looks very, very pure. The color itself, you know, just speaks of purity. So if you have a tall glass of clean white milk, uh, you say, wow, that's pure. But what if something falls into that milk? Say a fly falls into that milk. Well, that milk is no longer pure. And uh, most people would not drink the milk. Now, what if you fish the fly out of the milk? Runner says, no way. You could fish the fly out of the milk, and now it could look okay again. But is it really pure? No, if you know anything about flies, <laughs> Myrna's like, oh. You know that that milk is no longer pure. It has been contaminated, but it looks good. You get the point of what Yeshua is saying? We can look good, but in our heart, we can have things that contaminate us. That was the problem with the Pharisees in Yeshua's day. And it's the problem with many people today. Our hearts have been contaminated by sins that no one else can see. And so we give this external impression of purity. But within, there's a sin that remains uncleansed. And it continues to contaminate our lives. Now, I know my husband said last week, his message, he says, Wow, I didn't think this was going to be, you know, like a... A strong word, and as I'm preparing my message, I'm like, oh, people may think that again. But I want to tell you this. Repentance is a good thing, okay? It's not a harsh thing. When uh, I remember someone coming to me years ago and saying, I don't know, you, you know, you always talk about repentance. That just comes across so harsh and, 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 and strong. And I said, well, think about this. Think about the story of King David. When he committed adultery with Bathsheba, Then he went and had her husband Uriah killed, and God sends the prophet Nathan. And what does Nathan do? He confronts David, and he uses a little parable of a man with a sheep. And David gets outraged by this story, and then Nathan says, you're the man. You're the man. This is you. Now, was that harsh? From my mind, that was God's love and compassion. God loved David. And God wanted to give him opportunity to repent and to turn from those choices he had just made that made his glass of milk contaminated, his heart contaminated. So it is the mercy and compassion of, uh, of God that says, Carol, you need to repent. You need to change. What you have done has brought contamination into your heart. It's not harshness. It's his compassion and his love. So Yeshua said to the Pharisees, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, 
For you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. You see, external outward human righteousness might lead people to think that you are pure, but that won't cut it with God who sees the heart. That's what he told Shmuel. You look on the outside. Eliav looks great to you, but he's not the man I have chosen. I look on the heart. And what he saw in David was a heart that would be prone to repentance. So that when later in his life, Nathan confronted David, what did David do? Did he get angry at God? He fell down on his face and he said, God, Against you and you only have I sinned. Forgive me. Search me. See if there's any wicked way in me, God, because I want to be pure in your in your eyes. And that's what God saw when he looked at David. And that's why he chose David over Eliab. Not because David was perfect and would not make any mistakes and would never sin, but because David would have a heart of repentance that would recognize that he had contaminated himself and would be willing to deal with that and to change and to to repent. The second connotation of the word pure is just as important. The word used here in the Greek, not that it makes any difference to you, I know it's all Greek to you, but (laughs) the word is katharos, and it describes a heart which is pure in motive, and which exhibits a single-mindedness and undivided devotion and spiritual integrity. It's the idea behind what Rav Shaul says in Philippians 3, this one thing I do. So although pure in heart has this connotation of moral purity that we just talked about, it also has the idea of... Um, excuse me, uh, of working with our attitudes, our integrity, and the singleness of our heart, as opposed to duplicity and being double-minded. So one writer said, you might be able to paraphrase Yeshua's words in this beatitude, which says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, as I desire a heart that is unmixed in its devotion and motivation. Can you read that with me? I desire a heart that is unmixed in its devotion and motivation. In this context, pure in heart means that we have no double allegiance. Later on in in Matthew chapter 6, Yeshua is continuing his discourse and teaching of his Talmudim. And he says to them, you cannot serve two masters at the same time because you will love one and hate the other. In other words, there can't be this duplicity of your heart. I desire single-hearted devotion, unmixed devotion, and motivation. And then we know in the book of Yaakov, we are taught that the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So to be pure in heart means that we are sincere, transparent, that what you see is what you get, It's not faking it, not tricking, it's not hypocrisy. And in a culture gone wrong, being pure 
It's not an easy thing to do. Both concepts of purity, holding to a moral standard when there is virtually no standards in this world, that's hard. But that's what God calls us to do, to go right in a culture gone wrong. So the reality is, you know, uh, sin abounds in our world, and it's not called sin anymore. Again, as my husband alluded to this last week, it's such an accepted thing. So from all types of sexual sin, adultery, homosexuality, all of these things to, you know, the way we conduct our, our lives to, to, to stealing and cheating and lying, and those are accepted things. It's just what you do in life. So when we are encouraged to go right and the culture going wrong, that means that we have to hold to this standard of purity even if no one else around us is doing it. And as I said, that becomes hard because we're going against all the norms. So we just started a new series on Wednesday night truth or dare with the, the young people. So it's uh, learning what truth is. So I had a little survey at the beginning just to get their perspective on, you know, what do you consider truth? And so one of the questions was, is it ever okay to, uh, to live together before marriage? And I have to say, you know, uh, all the kids in the room said, no. Like, okay, good. But the reality is, as they grow older and as they go to college and things like that, they're going to see people doing that. As I remember taking uh, classes up at uh, uh, Stony Brook when I first moved here, and I was taking some Hebrew classes, and one of the girls in my class was just talking about the co-ed dorm, dorm and how great it was, you know, and that her boyfriend slept in a room and all, you know, all this sort of stuff. So the reality is our kids are faced with that pressure. So, you know, they have the moral standings from this congregation and maybe from mom and dad, but it's not easy in a world that says it's okay to do those things. It's not easy to remain pure, to walk in purity. And the other aspect of purity is holding to our pursuit of Adonai, that undivided, unmixed devotion and motivation. Once again, too often, evil is called good and good is called evil. I was saying this with my kids this week. I never, ever thought I would see the things that I see in the world today. I mean, you know, I'm not that old. (laughs) But old enough to think of my childhood, these things were just not in your face. Obviously, I know these things existed. They've existed since the ancient times. If you read ancient records, you could hear about the same types of things that plague our society, but so blatant in your face. And not just in your face, but even creeping into the body of Messiah. Now, I think my husband shared this in his message last week, but at our board meeting this month, as the, several are talking about different things that they had heard about different congregations, Kehilot. You're just accepting homosexuality as okay. Friends, it's not okay in God's eyes. But if you take that stand that it's not okay... You're labeled as harsh and, and intolerant, right? 
And as my husband said, it's not that we don't love people who are struggling with issues like that, but we don't accept that behavior as normal. And when our pursuit, and if you're one who says, I'm going to go after God 100%, I'm going to have unmixed, undivided devotion and motivation. We are often ridiculed and met with criticism, telling us that we need to be more well-rounded and that our lives should include a variety of things. Sure, go after God, but don't get too extreme. But Adonai is looking for someone whose heart is undivided. I can remember years ago in the, in the, youth, in the youth group, because in some capacity we've always been connected to the youth and the young people, the children of the congregation. So I remember in the youth group, had a young man coming, his family didn't attend the congregation, but he came with a friend, and, uh, and his, his, his mother thought he was getting too radical, you know, because it was all about God. So he was, you know, because his, his life was challenged, right? And he was pursuing after God with undivided devotion. And he was, she was like, you know, you need to spread out and experience other things. And so this young man did. And this young man walked away from God. That the mother then called us and said, could you get him back to the youth group? Because she saw a difference in his life. In not a positive way. But at first, her response was, that's too extreme, all that God stuff. But Adonai is looking for someone who has a heart that's undivided, a heart that is fully devoted to him. And I get the struggle. We've had this discussion with with our children a lot as they're getting older. Uh, Abigail graduates this year from high school. Josiah just finished his associate's degree, and he's going on to Stony Brook. And so they're looking at their future, their careers, and things like this. And, you know, uh, so when we talk about pursuing God wholeheartedly and et cetera, uh, there's a struggle sometimes in our discussion. And, uh, but mom, does that mean I won't get to do this or that? You know, I want to, you know, grow up and have a job. I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want to da-da-da-da-da-da, and all the dreams and visions that they have for their future as young people. And my husband and I respond, you know, putting God first doesn't mean that you don't have those other things. It's only when you give God 100% that your life truly begins. As Michelet says, when we delight ourselves in Adonai, he will give us the desire of our hearts. But in our society, we're told to cool it down. Don't get too radical in your pursuit of God. But God looks for those whose hearts are totally, totally devoted to him. That's what pure in heart means. And the promise, let's look at this as we conclude here today. The promise is that we will see God. Now, we know there's a future application to this, that someday all of us who have called upon the name of the Lord and whose names are written in the book of life because we have received Yeshua as our Messiah, we will make it to heaven and we will see God. Okay, we will see him and we will fall upon our face. I can tell you right now, no matter what you think you're going to do, you're going to fall on your face. You're going to be in the presence of the holiest God, the creator of the universe. And uh, 
you know, we used to sing a song here, you know, what will I do? Will I fall on his face? You're going to fall on your face because you're going to be overwhelmed by the awesome holiness and glory of God. But this passage is talking about more than just that. Yeshua is talking about what takes place here on this earth. Some people would say that to see God means we are able to recognize his handprint in creation around us. But I don't think that's what Yeshua is referring to because Romans 1 tells us that uh, even uh, those who do not know God can look at creation and see God's handprint. In other words, you know, God has given the general revelation to mankind through creation. So what is God saying here? God is saying that <coughs> excuse me that we want to be able to perceive who he is. So when it says to see God, it's talking about our perception. As I said earlier, we know that no man has physically seen God in his totality. So what is Yeshua saying with this, this uh, phrase, to see God? He's trying to convey to us the idea of perception, discernment, and understanding. And we see this word used in our culture today in the same way. When someone wants uh, us to perceive what they're explaining, they will say, can't you see what I mean? They don't literally mean your eyesight. They mean, can't you perceive, can't you understand what I'm saying? And we want someone to change uh, to our way of thinking, we say, can't you see it my way? Right? And then when we want someone to understand something that is uh, ambiguous and stuff, we say, you know, you need to see it clearly. All of those phrases, even in our language and culture, have that same connotation of what Yeshua was trying to say there, a perception, a discernment of his presence in our lives. When we know that experience will help someone discern or understand, we prepare them for the experience by saying, just you wait and see. Throughout scripture, the metaphor of blindness is used to describe those who are lost, and sight is used to describe spiritual life, those who have been born anew through a faith in Yeshua. So the blessing here, what Yeshua is talking about, is the person who is pure in heart, in other words, gets rid of the contamination, not only pulls the fly out, but gets rid of everything the fly left in the milk, okay? That person who does that, so there's a moral standard that they're living to, and the person who has lost their life in Yeshua and allows Yeshua to live through them, then their understanding, their perception, their discernment of who God is, of his ways, of his will, of his heart, and of his hand will grow. Whereas those who don't know God are alienated from the life of God because of the darkness that is within them, because they're blinded in their heart, as Ephesians tells us, that the pure in heart have had their eyes open because they walk in the light as he is in the light, and they have fellowship with God and with one another. So they're able to see God, and they see his Ruach moving 
in the circumstances of life. Friends, that's important. That you can perceive and understand God in the circumstances of your life. And that seeing God speaks of that intimate fellowship and relationship with him. My husband and I was talking this morning, he's up early, and talked about sometimes our perception of situations and circumstances are off. You know, we perceive one thing and, and we can find out later that we are totally, absolutely wrong in our perception of another person, of a situation, or of circumstance. And sometimes, I want to tell you, you are wrong in your perception of God. Because you don't really see who he is. You don't really see him. And what you need to do is to be pure in heart, to lose yourself in him. Undivided total devotion. And as you do, you will perceive and see him for who he is. He is a good God. He is a loving God. He is a God who never fails, who always keeps his promises. But you can't see that. You can't perceive that if your heart is divided. If your motivation is divided, if you're torn, instead of being sold out totally to him. So the person who is pure in heart are able to see God and his Ruach moving. They see his will being unfolded in their lives. They see his hand of provision in their everyday experience. They're perceptive to his ways. They're discerning of his heart and understanding when it comes to his word. They're able to see God because he lives in them through his Ruach, and he reveals himself to them in new ways every day. Every day. God wants you to perceive and understand who he is in your life. You see, we pray for discernment, we pray for guidance, we pray for direction, but the reality is God is always revealing himself to us. He's in the business of guiding and directing us. The problem is not with his revelation, directions, or guidance, but the problem lies with our inability to discern or sense that revelation, direction, and guidance. So the closer you are to Adonai, the more sensitive your discernment becomes. So what is it that keeps us from discerning or seeing his direction? Well, the purity is that key which enables us to see God, then impurity or sin or an undivided heart diminishes our ability to see God. So sometimes you are struggling and you don't see God. You don't understand how great and vast his love and compassion and mercy and his plans for your life are because, one, you have contamination in your milk glass, or two, you're torn and you're, you're, you're straddling the fence and, and it's two masters. You're trying to fit everything in instead of being 100% sold out to Adonai. So as we close this morning, I just want to ask you two questions. First, have you ever had your heart cleansed? For those of you who are here, perhaps you've never ever been humbled by your own sin and you've never come to the point in your life where you receive the forgiveness of sin that Yeshua offers you. Well, God wants you to to receive that today. He wants you to know that, you know, uh, he sees your heart. And yes, our heart is deceitfully wicked, but that heart can be transformed today when you embrace uh, God and accept Yeshua as your means of atonement, his blood poured out for you. And the second question are for those who have perhaps uh, 
done step one, that you have had your heart cleansed by confessing and accepting Yeshua, the question is, are you walking in purity before Adonai? Is there anything in your life which is keeping you from being sensitive to and discerning God as he wants to reveal himself? Determine this, you and I need to allow God to do a thorough search of the heart. Think about it. Have you ever, we live in the age of computers, some I know uh, are trying to resist the modern technology age, but most of us have a computer. Have you ever had a computer get a virus? Not fun, right? And so that virus will attack your computer. At first it causes a couple things, and then before you know it, it spreads throughout your computer and maybe even causes it to crash. Right? Well, our heart is sometimes like a computer. We can get a virus in it. And if we don't deal with that virus and we don't take care of it, it will spread and it will cause us to crash, to come tumbling down. So if you're not seeing God, maybe there's an issue of impurity in your heart that you have to deal with. We need to be like the psalmist as we talked about King David. He says in Tehillim 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. God wants you to see him. He wants you to perceive and understand. And in that understanding, to draw closer to him. So many of you are on the fringes. You don't, you don't really have that intimate relationship with God. You don't see him because you haven't walked in purity of heart. Maybe you've got the moral part down, so you don't have that contamination, but you've not given yourself 100% undivided devotion to God. So God is calling us to that this morning because the good news is, blessed are their pure in heart, for they will see God. They will experience him. God is meant to be experienced. You know, he says, I'm not afar off, but I'm very near to you. But sometimes we don't perceive that and we don't enjoy that fellowship with him. So let's stand to our feet as we pray this morning. Father and I, we thank you for your encouragement to us today. God, to choose a path that goes right, even though the culture around us may be going wrong. And Lord, walking in purity is, is not an easy thing. But God, we want to see you. Uh, we want to behold you in, in our life on a daily basis. We want to have that sweet communion with you to understand and to know you on a level that, that perhaps we haven't up to this point in our lives. So we're asking you to help us to be as King David and say, search me, God, show me any impurities in my life. Help me to get rid of them. Show me where I might be a double-minded, where I'm half in and half out in your kingdom and in the things of God. Just show me, God, because I want to see you. I want to know you in a more intimate and greater way than I do today. So open the eyes of our heart today, God. 
Open the eyes of our heart to see the things that are there so that they can be removed and changed so that we can come into your presence. We thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to close with the Aaronic benediction. Uh, afterwards, I'm going to invite anybody from the leadership team to come up. If you'd like prayer about the message or anything else, the team will be here to pray with you. Again, uh, just as a point of agreement, uh, because God wants to touch your life today. Adonai said to Moshe, speak to Aaron and his sons to tell them that this is how you are to bless the people of Israel. You are to say to them, Adonai v'yishmerecha. May Adonai bless you and keep you. May Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. May Adonai lift up his face towards you and give you shalom. May you walk in the peace and shalom of God Almighty. May you be pure in heart that you would see God. Amen. So I'm asking my ministry team to come up. If you want anyone to pray with you, come forward. Gary, Myrna, Rena, Adeline, Chris. Any of these people can pray with you.